Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 18. Luke, chapter 18. Mark that passage of Scripture and turn to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. The power of a few words. Life-changing words. Ancient words, to be sure. But words that help us hope and help us cope. We've been looking in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 where we have discovered some very simple but yet profound words. Beginning with verse 16 in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we read these words. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now these simple words are fairly easy to digest. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. But what really changes these words into powerful words are those things that the Apostle Paul adds to help us qualify how we are to use these words, how we are to live them out in our lives. Rejoice always, verse 16. Verse 17, pray without ceasing. And verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances. Paul echoes these words in Philippians chapter 4. And I'm going to ask Dave Eubank to read this passage for us this morning. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. You listen to these truths, please. I'm reading from the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Dave, so much for helping us remember those familiar words. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. The middle word of that trio is prayer. And prayer is something that is very, very important to us. If you want a word that will change your life, take the word prayer. Now, as you look at Scripture, you discover that there are over 2,000 references to prayer. In fact, there are some 650 recorded prayers in the Bible, some 450 recorded answers to prayer in the Bible. If you were to take just the words prayer, prayed, praying, you would discover that they appear almost 600 times in the Word of God. Martin Luther said this, Prayer is not overcoming God's reluctance, but prayer is laying hold of God's willingness. E.M. Bounds has written a, a little book that is entitled Power Through Prayer. If you could pick up this little booklet, it would be a blessing to you. 
And he writes this. What the church needs today is not more machinery or, or better. Not new organization or more novel methods. But men and women whom the Holy Spirit can use to pray. Men and women of prayer. You see, the scripture tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. Turn back now to Luke's gospel, chapter 18, will you please? Luke chapter 18. Here in Luke chapter 18, beginning with verse 1, Jesus gives to us a, a parable. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And as you look at the gospel accounts, you discover that Jesus told some 35-plus parables. And they're all recorded for us in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel. Now, John's gospel gives to us two illustrations that really are not parables. One is the illustration of the good shepherd who takes care of his sheep found in John chapter 10. The other is an illustration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and how his followers would be sorrowful but then would rejoice and Jesus uses the picture of a woman giving birth to illustrate that truth. In John chapter 17, Jesus talks about the coming of the kingdom. And there he says, there will be some tough times ahead. In fact, he says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the days of the coming of the Son of Man be. He also says in verse 33 of Luke 17, those who would seek to preserve their life will lose it. But those who lose their lives will keep them. We now move into Luke chapter 18 where Jesus gives to us two parables about prayer. The first parable tells us about our attitude before God. And the second parable tells us about our attitude with men. These are the only two parables that Jesus spoke where he began with the purpose, the reason that he was telling these parables. In verse 1 of Luke chapter 18, we read, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And in verse 9, the scripture says, He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. And then we have the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, where they Tax collector, the publican, says, God be merciful to me, a sinner. This morning we want to look at that first parable. You follow along in your copy of the scriptures as I read for you the first seven verses. Luke chapter 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected him. 
And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he, that is the judge, refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give judges justice to his elect, those who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? Now, as we read that passage of Scripture, we discover that there are some characters that Jesus talked about. First of all, there's the proud judge. I call him proud because in the parable Jesus said, the judge neither feared God nor respected man. Verse 2. This judge was an arbitrator. One who was supposed to administer justice. One who was to avenge wrongs. But Jesus goes down to the depth of his character. Where Jesus said he did not fear God nor respect man. Now, unless you think those are just Jesus' words, in verse 4, the judge says, though I neither fear God nor respect man. This was not a religious individual. This was not a humanitarian, but a proud, arrogant individual who thought that he could handle everything by himself and needed no one to tell him what to do. You know, there are a lot of people today who believe in God, but only want God to serve them in an advisory capacity. The proud judge. We then discover the persistent widow. Now, widows in this day had little or no standing in society. They were vulnerable. There was no one to present her cause, no one to address her needs. But in verse 3, we discover that this widow in the city kept coming to the judge and saying, give me justice against my adversary. She kept presenting her request. She kept going to the judge. She kept, if you will, talking to him, begging him to give to her what she needed because she had absolutely no resources of her own. Her only recourse was to come to that judge and ask him to meet her needs. How many times do we find ourselves out of options? How many times do you and, and I recognize that we no longer have the ability to meet our needs? How many times do we recognize how frail we are and how much we need to depend upon someone else to help us? Now, if you will look at what I'm calling the precedent, 
verses 4 and 5 of Luke chapter 18, you will discover what happened. Verse 4, for a while the judge refused. We don't know how long this period of time was, but we do know that it was a period of time that the judge just kind of ignored the widow's calling. But afterward, the judge said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continued coming. Though he did not fear God, though he did not respect man, the judge finally gives in to the woman and she receives help. Not as difficult to really understand the meaning of, of verse 4 from the text. And in verse 4 it says, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continued coming. If you look at the original language, you would discover this. The only reason the judge helped the widow was because he was afraid she would beat him down. King James, weary him which literally means give him a black eye, ruin his reputation, take away his standing in the community. The judge was concerned about his own reputation, and therefore that is why he met the need of this widow. Now what we have in front of us is a parable of contrasts. Consider the contrasts. To begin with, the woman was a stranger. As you think about that, you must be reminded that you and, and I are children of God and that God cares about his children. The widow also had no access to the judge. You and I have open access to the presence of our wonderful God, and we may come to him at any time that we have need. The woman had no friend of the court, no one to get her case on the docket. All she could do is, is go outside the tent and make a nuisance of herself as she shouted at the judge. Christians have a Savior, an advocate in heaven who constantly represents us before the throne of God. As you read the parable, you discover very quickly that all that the judge was, God is not. The judge even listened to the woman for the wrong reason. God is not this judge. Our God is a loving Heavenly Father who is attentive to our every cry, generous in meeting our needs, and ready to answer all of our calls. God answers our prayers for our good and His glory, and He is not vexed when we Come to him and pray. 
I want to share with you the passion and practice and purpose of prayer. In 1 Thessalonians, we read, pray without ceasing. Dave read for us this morning in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Jesus told this parable to the disciples. And as he told it, he said, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. There are really two possibilities in that purpose statement. We can either pray or we can lose heart. King James, we can faint. We ought to pray. We do not need to lose heart or faint. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul gives to us the armor of the believer. And he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he says this, Praying with all prayer and supplication, let our requests be made known unto God. As Jesus makes these contrasts, I believe there are four principles of prayer that we can look at. Let me read the text, and then we will look at the principles. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay over long before them? The first principle is this. You and I need to be persistent in our prayer. Maynard Belt, whom many of you may know, often says this, God is seldom early, but he's never late. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus' disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, they didn't say, Lord, teach us some prayers. The religious leaders had some prayers, and they loved to stand daily in the synagogues, lifting their hearts to God, reciting their prayers, and yet God told them they were empty and had no effect. But the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. In that passage of Scripture, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus tells another parable, a parable about a friend at midnight and in the middle of the night, a friend receives guests. And he does not have what is necessary in order to be hospitable to his guests. And so he goes to his neighbor. And he knocks on the door, and the neighbor's in bed with all of his kids and doesn't want to get out. And yet he continues to knock, and finally the neighbor gets out of bed and gives to his friend what he needs. Jesus then repeats what he already said in Matthew chapter 7, where he said, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. And then he asks this question. Which of you, as an earthly father, if his son asks for a fish, will give him a serpent, 
Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. How is it that we as earthly parents know how to give good gifts to our children? How much more our Heavenly Father knows how to give good gifts to his children? In James chapter 5, James says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There is great power in the persistence of prayer. And then he uses Elijah as an illustration. And James says, Elijah was a man just like we are men. But he prayed fervently. He was earnest in his prayer. He worshiped God. He had a dependence upon God. In fact, James says that Elijah prayed for three and a half years that it would not rain. And then he prayed for rain. And the rain came. J. Hudson Taylor said this. The power of prayer has never been tried to its full capacity. If we want to see mighty wonders of divine power and grace wrought in the place of weakness, failure and disappointment, let us answer God's standing challenge. Call unto me, and I, God, will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. We need to be persistent in prayer. We also need to rely upon the justice of our God. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells his listeners about how to have a wonderful relationship with God. A relationship with God that is not built on the law and fulfilling all of the requirements of the law but a relationship that is built on love and grace and and mercy. And there he reminds us that we can pray. Romans chapter 8 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps our infirmity. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now it's important to recognize that the psalmist says in Psalm 66, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And as we rely upon the justice of God, we need to make sure that we have a proper standing with God, not only as his children, but also that we have confessed our sin and made sure that everything on our end is all that God wants it to be. I want you to be reminded that we always have an audience with God. Let me read for you the 121st Psalm. There the psalmist writes, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From from where does my help come? My help comes for the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is on uh, your side. He is the shade of your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going in and your coming out from this time forth forevermore. Abraham prayed when he interceded for Lot, who was in Sodom. Israel prayed when they were in captivity in Egypt. David prayed when his son was sick, and Daniel prayed in the lion's den. When you look at the life of Jesus, he prayed to his heavenly Father. He prayed as he broke the bread and and fishes and fed the 5,000. He prayed in the the garden. And Mark's gospel tells us in Mark chapter 1 that he went into a solitary place. And there he prayed. Paul and Silas were in prison and prayed at midnight. Acts chapter 16. And as you read the epistles, Paul was always praying for the churches, the assemblies of believers, those who were trying to live out the wonder of God from their lives. You see, you and I always have an audience with God. And lastly, we need to yearn to be with God. The psalmist says in Psalm 42, As the deer pants after the water brooks, so pants my soul after thee, O God. You see, the reality is that Satan does not care if you believe in prayer, so long as you do not pray. And the truth is that a passion without practice is purposeless and accomplishes absolutely nothing. William Cowper said this, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees. So, Jesus told a parable. A parable to the effect that men ought always to pray and not lose I've referenced a couple of times Luke chapter 11. And the scripture says in verse 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. That was his custom. He did that often. And when he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus then outlined for them what we know as the Lord's Prayer, but it is really just a pattern for our prayers. It's not intended to be something that we recite and quote all of the time and check a box that we have now prayed. But it reminds us of the wonder of our Heavenly Father and the relationship we can have with Him as we trust Him to meet all of our needs. 
I'm going to quote it, and you may want to quote it with me this morning. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our, our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, Amen. Pray without ceasing. Powerful words for our lives. And what do those words tell us? Men ought always to pray and not to faint.